the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. You got to decide, are you making the most of the moments? So Jesus made the invite, come and see. You got to invite. Every Christ follower should invite those they know to follow Jesus with them. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want you to take your copy of God's Word in your hand and turn with me to the first chapter of John's Gospel. John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be focused today in our scripture reading. And ironically, it's kind of a continuation, or if you will, kind of a prequel to where we've been in the book of Acts. For the last several weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Acts, and we've watched the birth of what is now called the church We saw that those group of 120 followers of Jesus were filled with the Spirit of God and the church was born. And one day, a man named Peter preached and 3,000 people began a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we look through those first 13 chapters of the book of Acts, this guy named Peter is certainly a main character. We know him. We can relate to him as followers of Jesus because most of us have said some things we wish we had not said. We've done some things we wish we had not done. And some of us have even in seasons of our life either practically or directly denied the Christ. We can relate to Stephen, so we're encouraged by his restoration and we're motivated by the fact that God uses broken vessels, amen? Well, today I want you to see that there would have been no story of Peter were it not for the story that we read today. Because Peter's life was changed Because of one person who made Peter his one. Understand this. Sometimes we look at our life and we wonder about our impact. We're at different stages. Another favorite thing about our church that I have is that we're a multi-generational church. So every time we gather, I, I love the fact that there are several folks here in their 90s and they're the youngest of young that gather with us. We're multi-generational, but at different stages of our life, sometimes we stop and we look back and we say, am I even making a difference? Am I making an impact? And sometimes on this side of heaven, we won't even know that impact. What I want to encourage you with is this simple reality. You may only impact one, but it could be that the one God uses you to impact impacts multitudes impacts the masses. 
That's what takes place today. Our church is a part of a larger evangelical group of Christ followers in our country. And we associate with 47,000 other churches based primarily on two things. You don't hear us talk about it a lot, but it's based on primarily two things. A general set of theological beliefs that we agree upon. And then a missions effort that we come together to accomplish. And as a denomination, our leaders have asked us to set aside some time and a period of 12 months and really think about this idea. Who's our one? Think about what would happen if just a small percentage took seriously this challenge to ask God to lay one person on our heart and mind, to pray for, to invite, and by God's grace at some point to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, if you were here, you received one of these little cards. You also receive them today. Don't walk out of here without one of these cards. This is for you. It's a prayer reminder, a bookmark to help you pray for your one. It gives you a place to write down your one. Now, I cheated because I'm a type A personality. And so I wrote down four because last week as I was enjoying some time away, I really committed this again to the Lord. There'd been some people on my mind, but I was doing what is my favorite thing. In fact, if I ever turn up missing... You'll know where to find me. I'll be walking on a beach. That's what I was doing last week, much of the week. My problem is trying to decide which beach. And if you go looking for me, that will be your problem too. But as I was walking last week, I was on one of the longer walks. It was a seven-mile walk on that particular day. And I feel like very clearly God laid four names on my mind. I'm not going to read them to you for their sake. But I want to give you their initial for my accountability to you so that you know I'm taking this seriously. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not already doing. One of my guys that I have, to the best of my knowledge, he's what I would call a pagan. He doesn't pretend to have any relationship with God. His name starts with F. One of my guys I met not long after I moved to Temple Terrace, and, and he's a guy that's lived here. His family's rather influential in this community, and I think he's a very religious person, but to my knowledge, I'm not sure he has a relationship with Jesus. His name starts with an R. Uh, one of my guys I also met uh, through some of the sports that we do uh, here in the community, and, and he grew up in another country. He's from an Islamic background. Uh, he's a, a big focus of my my prayer and has been, but his name starts with M. And then another guy is just part of the conviction that God's laid on my heart that frankly, just confessing to you, trying to be vulnerable and candid. I'm not always a very good neighbor. Now that doesn't mean I'm having wild parties or, or that I'm even being loud. I do have a dog that sometimes slips out of the fence and people don't like that, but that's not the stuff I'm talking about. I, I'm not always reaching out in the way I should be as a neighbor. And so one of these guys is just one of my neighbors that God has burdened my heart with, and his name starts with a B. And so I, I want to ask you today, who's your one? Who has God put in your heart and on your mind that you will pray for, that you will invite that God could use you to bring into his kingdom. We're in the book of John in chapter one. John's just begun his gospel with a quick summary of who Jesus is. Some of you know this. If you've been in church much, you're familiar with some of these verses. In John chapter one, he says this, in the beginning was what? The 
the Word. Jesus is called the living Word in the book of John. And in John, we see in the first few verses that Jesus is identified as being God. Sometimes in our world today, you will come in contact with people from other religions or from cults, offshoots that are cultic of the Christian faith, and their hang-up is, is Jesus really God? When you find that person, what you want to do is point them to the Gospel of John, because John, in his Gospel, over and over and over again makes it clear from beginning to end that Jesus was 100% man, but he is 100% God. He's God incarnate. And at the end of his gospel, he sums up the purpose of why he wrote the things that he wrote. He does this also in the book of 1 John. But listen to John 20, verse 31. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. Now, I want you to understand something. We need to ask, what is this all about? If you're on this journey, why? Was it just to get a get out of hell free card? Is it because you're concerned about the environment and you feel like you need to be a good citizen? Is it to help with the social ills in the world or to be a moral person? All of those things matter to me. A few years ago, our lives changed because we believe God was prompting us to take seriously the command of God in the book of James. This is pure and undefiled religion to take care of the widows and the orphans. So God led us to bring an orphan, a child into our home by adoption. We take seriously those things, but those things are not the main thing of the faith according to Scripture. According to scripture, the main reason we are Christ followers is so that other people might come into the kingdom of God as we have. That's why he leaves us here. Think about it even logically. Otherwise, this world is so bad and we are so sinful, it would make more sense that once we begin a relationship with God, he would just zap us on up to heaven, right? Some of us wish that were the case. (laughs) It would save us some heartache and some trouble. But that's not what he does. He leaves us here. And yes, by being salt and light, we make a difference in this world. But the biggest difference comes by being a demonstration of the gospel. Or as John says, demonstrating that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And so following this, John, the apostle who's writing this gospel, introduces us to another John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, this crazy guy who wore funky clothes and ate crazy things. He's the forerunner of Jesus, the cousin of Jesus. And that's who we meet as we begin reading today. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, again, John, that's John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? Hey, that's really the question that's at the core of our gathering in these few minutes together. 
what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They did what we often do, right? When someone confronts us with a hard question, change the subject, (laughs) don't answer it, put it back on them. Where are you staying? And he said to them, all right, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, that's Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, but you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. If you've just joined us, You're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. something pretty amazing about Jesus that needs to be a characteristic that we uh, take as the little Christ in this world. Jesus saw people not just as they were, but as they could be. What about you? See, I, I think one of the reason a lot of us don't have our one is because we see people as they are. Well, good Lord, if God could ever save that person. Come on, preacher, you don't know what they're doing. Oh, no, 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 they were born in another country. They have another religion. Thank God that Greg had Jay as his one, and that he trusted and, and prayed for and, and recognized that culture and background, and all the things of our life don't have to determine whether or not you're going to come to Jesus. Remember the mission of Jesus. It, it's not confusing. There's no uncertainty about Jesus' mission. Do you remember what it was? The Bible says Jesus came to, that's mission, Jesus came to what? Yeah, some of you know that. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So um, Jesus himself told us that. Son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. So that's his mission. And he was about his mission. He came to find people. And so as we're first meeting him, we see him finding people. And then we see something interesting. The people Jesus found, found people. If you're looking for nuggets of gold this morning, I would write this down. Found people, find people. If you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you begin to look around you and find people. What would happen today If just those of us gathered here in this room, those of us that are gathered at our campus called Mission Hill Six Mile, if we just begin to reach out right where we are and find people that need that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's continue because the story continues. Verse 43 says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found, there's that word again, Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
So do you see what Jesus is doing? He just started where he was. Guys, listen. If, if you, even if you're going to fade out, please get this in this moment. God's best for you begins right where you are. Don't wait for another moment. Don't think you've got to be called to a mission field or even go on a mission trip or or do something you've never done. God's best for you begins right where you are. That's where he found these guys. So he found Nathanael in verse 45, and he said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's a negative Ned, right? We know those people. You go to talk to them about the difference that Jesus has made in you, and they always turn it negative. So somebody's, somebody's sitting here, somebody's watching or listening to this today, and, and you're thinking, well, the one I would think about, they're not going to be receptive because they're always negative. Well, keep listening, because Nathaniel was negative. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I wouldn't go to that church. A bunch of hypocrites over there. So Philip said to him, come and see. Have we heard that before? Come and see? Yeah, Jesus just said it. All I'm asking you to do is just follow the Jesus model. Just come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said, how do you know me? Hey, maybe you need to be reminded today. Hopefully not if you're watching this or you're in church, but maybe you need to know he knows you. He knows everything. I don't know you. I mean, I know some of you a little bit, but your spouse probably doesn't know you. He knows you. And then Jesus says something kind of funny. If you continue reading, he says, I saw you under the fig tree, big guy. And the reason that's kind of funny is because he's saying, I was there when you were saying nothing good comes out of Nazareth. He knows you. <laughs> and Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now listen to this. Jesus then says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you say that? Do you believe? Oh, you're going to see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's go back to the beginning of the passage we read, the very first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. That's pretty important, first words. The first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John are these words. What are you? Seeking. Now that sounds kind of funny. Our tendency is to think, oh, you messed that up, Jesus. Didn't you mean to say, who are you looking for? And yet Jesus deals with something right here in this passage that speaks to the problem of everyone in society. It's a problem of some of us gathered here today. We're looking for something when we should be looking for someone. 
We're looking for the wrong things. What, what are you seeking? I love music, and you listen to popular music even today, and you recognize that it tells the story often of people who have not discovered that which they are seeking. But there's some old classic songs that tell us that, right? Like, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Or that great song that, that was big when I was coming along that says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Have you found what you're looking for? What are, what are you seeking? I, 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 I sometimes fight this. But I'm a church nerd. I, I grew up in church. I, I've been around this all my life. And it only makes sense as I, as I look at the impact, the salt and light difference that the church with a big C makes on our cultures. It only makes sense that a lot of us, even who gather together, we, we've come seeking a what, not a who. And we, we've not understood that if we find the who, he will give us the what. But we're, we're seeking after the wrong things. And so the reality is, we haven't gotten the real thing. I want to give you three simple ways from this passage to apply this to your personal life. And I'm speaking as if you're a Christ follower. Some of you are not. Some of you are sitting here as somebody that loves you they're one. Maybe you're very religious. Maybe you've been in church a bunch, but you're their one. They're praying that God would kick down the walls, that God would shine the light. And, and so I want you to listen, but at the end of this time together, there's going to be a different response for you than it is for those who are already Christ followers. So here's the first thing. Every Christ follower should involve those around them as they take their spiritual journey. So we're on this journey with Jesus, right? That's what they began to do. That was the command of Jesus to all the disciples who came after him, follow me. Say, follow me. So if I'm following someone, I'm on the journey with them. Say, I'm on a journey with Jesus. That's what this is. And what I'm telling you is, if you're on a journey with Jesus, it's his expectation that you're involving other people in the journey. Maybe I need to remind you of this. Yes, your faith is deeply personal, but it was never intended to be private. So it's personal. You're not going to get to heaven because of your mom or daddy's faith. You're not going to get to heaven because you joined some big church. You're not going to get to heaven because you hung out with a particular crowd. It's a personal decision you make that results in a personal relationship. It's deeply personal, but it's never intended to be private. God wants you to bring others along. And that's what John was doing, right? When we're introduced to him in this whole first chapter, he was bringing others along. Now, his methods were a little out of the box. I'm not suggesting that you go around witnessing like John the Baptist. People may Baker Act you. They may put you in the hospital and say, you need help. 
But I am suggesting that you understand what he understood. He understood his purpose. He was the forerunner of Jesus. It was his job to point other people to Jesus. And so he did it emphatically. The very first verse we read, verse 35 says, behold, it's like he was shouting, hey, listen up, watch, there he is. The Lamb of God. It's kind of a repeat of verse 29. Look at verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, when you point people to Jesus, you're making it clear who Jesus is, what he did, and why that matters. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.